0: This morning we're going to talk about broken crayons can still color. And we're going to look at Luke, we're going to look at some of the Peter and the fact of the sifting that uh, the apostle or, uh, Luke writes about. It's found in Luke 22, 31 to 34, and you can turn to that and We'll be reading that, but let me pray first before we do that. Lord, thank you for your word. Illuminate your word. Grant us power to obey. In Christ's name we ask. Amen. Amen. We're going to be looking how God loves us and prepares his people to be fruitful. You know, It's not just automatic. Something has to happen in us, and that's just the way the world is, and uh We're going to be looking at ministry and and, and how does that happen? How do I really grow in the Lord? How, how, How does the maturity come? How can I bear more fruit for him? Just for your information, Moses was 80 years old when God called him to return to Egypt and deliver the people of Israel. He lived to be 120 years old. Joshua became the leader at 85 years old and led Israel to cross the Jordan into the promised land, and he lived to be 110 years old. Caleb was 85 years old when he asked for land for Moses and conquered Hebron, and he lived well over 100. Noah was 350 years old when he built the ark, and he lived for 950 years. Abraham, at the age of 90, believed God for a son with his 90-year-old wife Sarah, and he died at the age of 125 years. In their early years, there were seasons of pruning and sifting from the Lord to produce this fruit. God loves old folks. He does. Don't raise your hands, but yeah, God loves old folks. And there's light, and when we come in and bring so much in our life, as you grow and you look at the word and you look at the crayons and... You know, sometimes we, we come broken to covenant. Covenant is a place of new beginnings or wherever you might go. And you hear the gospel and the Spirit of God comes and puts you back together. And, and it's wonderful what he does. And, and uh, other times it's a symbol of just us surrendering everything to him. And there are life situations that break us. You have some trials you've been through, disappointments, difficulties. It's going to be in the world i share with you a little story about Maria. Uh, She was a heroin addict. Uh, Prostitution was a way of making money to support her habit. Her boyfriend was in prison and he was a heroin addict. And a police officer called Teen Challenge and asked if a couple of the girls would go talk to Maria and told what corner there in Brooklyn, which we all knew where she was. Well, Faith, that's Loretta's co-worker, they were buddies, Faith and Loretta, they went to see Maria. Well, they started out, they had to talk to her between her customers and got her handler upset. You notice my language is getting better. Her handler, and uh, with kids around, and YouTube and everything, uh, was upset with them but eventually they were able to set a time apart where they could talk to her. And over the months, she came to know Christ as her Savior, kicked heroin, growing in the Lord, and then her boyfriend got out of prison. Slowly, he dragged her back into that lifestyle, and she was worse than ever. And we didn't know where she was. We thought maybe she had died. I'll tell a little more of that story at the end. But when things happen to us, sometimes by our own choices and wrong choices, God never forsakes us. And there's a hook in us that God does. I I love the scripture that Rachel read, what can separate us from the love of God? And that whole passage is about love. Nothing. You know, God loves me as much before I'm saved as after I'm saved. His love is constant, for God so loved the world. He delights in our obedience, but His love is the same wonderful depth. And what can separate us from that love? Nothing. Tribulation. He still loves us, so in the midst of whatever we're facing, we know by Hebrews He's praying for us, intercessing for us 24-7. You ever gotten to a dark spot and you just have to stop and say, Lord, I can't even open my Bible, but I know you're praying for me. Sure. And so we, we learned that. Now, now Simon, in, in 22 here, uh, we're going to read this scripture. This is after the Last Supper. And uh, Jesus has said he's going to suffer. He said one's going to betray I mean, all of the disciples said, "Well, who, who do you think that's going to be?" And then they talk about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. And and uh, he's told them they're going to he's going to suffer and die. And and some will, you know, kind of deny him. Kind of, you know, that whole context. And Peter stands up, says, "Those guys may do that, but I'll never do that. I'll go to prison for you." Jesus turns to him and basically says, "Peter, three times you're going to deny me." before the rooster crows tonight. So here, that's the context of of this interchange that happens. Let me read to you this. Simon, and I'll kind of talk in between. Simon, Simon, pay attention. Satan has demanded to have you all. Now, let me talk about that. I'm using the new English version on that. This pronoun in the Greek is plural, where it says you all. It's not just Peter. He wants all of you, though Peter represents that. And he says, Simon, Simon. That's the way to get his attention. My mother, when she said, Edward Wayne, yes, I paid attention. Simon, Simon, pay attention. Satan has demanded to have you all, to sift you like wheat. Notice that Satan has to ask permission. Permission to test us. Permission in Job. You can do everything but take his life. God's sovereign and in his providence and care. He's demanded to put you to the test. The idiom sift someone like wheat is uh, similar to the English idiom Satan wants to pick you apart, boy. He's going to sift you like wheat. But I prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. Peter's denials are pictured here as lapses, not a total absence of faith, but a moment of weakness. He doesn't lose his faith, but his world is rocked down to his very core. And when you've turned back or turned around, strengthen your brothers. Jesus is already restoring Peter in advance. (laughs) You know, when you mess up, God already has a plan and how he's going to work and bless you and use you. You just got to get in line with his purposes and plans and allow him to work it out. But Peter said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. And Jesus replied, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow today until you have denied me three times. And Jesus is quite aware that Peter is going to deny him. Peter, however, is nonchalant about his stumbling. Now, that's the context. We're going to look at this sifting. And when we come to sinners, uh, when we come to Jesus, we're broken sinners. We're broken There's two things we know for sure in the world. One is that we all have a depraved nature, the Bible said. All sin and fall short of the glory of God. There is within us a nature that we've inherited through Adam's disobedience that's twisted, that wants our own way, that is anti-God, that produces all the kind of evil you see working through people's lives. And there's nothing we in ourselves can do about that. That's why it's all of grace God takes the first action. We don't. Grace comes, speaks to us, draws us, convicts us of our sin, and takes that brokenness and uses us and puts it back together in forgiveness. Now, I was holding my grandson, and uh, he's still pretty cute. And I think, you know, we probably won't ever have to spank him. He's so good. That's my grandson, come on. And, and I thought of myself, and I thought, yeah, that, that old carnal nature is going to be coming right out soon. Why? Because we all have it. We can't escape it. So those two, the other thing is that we're all image bearers, made in God's image. Even Putin is made in God's image. He's making wrong choices, but apart from that, Everyone's made in God's image. That's why we, when we talk about life in the womb and the moment of conception, that here is one who is made in the image of God. Now, theologically, then, how do you carry that out? If this one life is made in the image of God, then we have to care for that image, honor that image, honor that life, care for that life, protect that life we don't have the right to take that life now you can work that out on your own but think about that so in times of sifting we there's some things we've got to know the first thing is kind of know the process God allows a sifting in our lives the process and uh, Self-centered Peter says, ah, they'll do that. I never will. But we see here God oversees the process. He governs it. I have prayed for you, and when I'm through, you go and strengthen your brothers. God limits the intensity, the sifting of this. Peter wrote near the end of his life, dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that's come on to you to test you as though something strange was happening to you. But he talks about rejoicing. And, uh, uh, but rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when His glory is revealed. When you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed of the Spirit of the glory of God rest on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer... As a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear his name. I, I love to read First and Second Peter, because I picture we know so much about Peter. He's just an ordinary, good businessman, a, 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 a fisherman, a fishing business. He didn't have the education of Paul, and Paul's Greek's pretty good. Peter's Greek, when you write the original, pretty bad, because he didn't have all of that. But Peter, God used him even to his language and his, who he was and brought the gospel. And we have two letters by him in God's word. I think of Peter when uh, the third time it says the, crow, the, the, the rooster crowed and Jesus looked at Peter and it says, Peter wept. And left the place. He, he came to the end of himself. So sifting, we've got to know God limits the intensity. Secondly, we've got to know the purpose. That our faith will not fail on our life. John 15 says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I remain in him, he'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Sifting and pruning is not designed to hurt us. It's, it, it's to build us up. It's to make us strong. It's to help us fulfill our destiny in God. We call it in theology progressive sanctification, being made holy constantly. And so John is saying you've got to stay rooted in the vine, that's Jesus, and then know that from him is where you get the fruit. The key here is where the sifting process is the response of the believer. How do I respond to trials? How do I respond to the difficulties? The response of the believer will determine how I grow in Christ. James says, humble yourselves to God and the devil will flee from you. Submit to God, resist the devil, he'll flee from you. Draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. So so the, the, the process, know the purpose of God. It's not some weird kind of thing. History's not out of control. Your life's not out of control. Even if you make some wrong choices, God's here to correct it. I had a missionary tell me many years ago, and I've shared this off and on. Uh, the weavers in India, the master weaver would take... Uh, sand and color, different colors. And he would design the whole uh, cloth that they were weaving together. They would look at the master plan and they would weave it in. But invariably, one person in the weaving of that would make a mistake. And it was bad. I mean, it, it, it doesn't fit the master's plan. Well, do we just throw that out? No, broken, broken crayons can still color. He called for the master time and he saw the mistake and he looked at design and he started with his hand moving the colors around and soon the master plan and that matched and you could never tell if there'd been a mistake. That's what God does in our lives. He takes our life and he allows it to be fruitful even when we, we break it ourselves. But the th- The other thing we need to know is the pruning, John 15. Just as a vine dresser, he says, he cuts off every branch of me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so it'll be even more fruitful. He cuts the vine. What's the pruning hook look like? It might be your job. It may be a relationship that needs to end. It may be something that you need to be encouraged to be more compassionate with someone who's not deserving, forgiving someone who's hurt you, and the reason he wants to prune that is that that's keeping you from growing. It's not meant to hurt, it's to purge us, to cleanse us, so that we can operate at full capacity for the Lord. It's the cutting off of fear and doubt and unbelief. It allows us to have faith in the midst of the storm and to trust Him. Those plans require God to prune us. In Jeremiah 29, 11, the plans He has for us, plans to prosper us, not to harm us, plans to give us hope in the future. You see that written everywhere. You know what is on the other side of that sign? should be pruning, <laughs> sifting, It's not a magic wand. There's pruning. There's the things that happen in your... Realize that we come broken to him, and he puts us together. Our job is to allow God to work with us so he can produce for the kingdom. What's he do with the dead branches? you got to clean those dead branches out, throw them out, and burn them. If there's some dead stuff in your life, he's going to clean it out. Disease branches... You see, a branch with a disease, you've got to get rid of it. You've got to prune it out of the tree or out of the vine because a bitterness will only disease yourself. Crossover branches. You see a tree, it's just growing like crazy. Crazy. But if you've got a branch that crosses another branch, it has to be cut. Why? Because it's going to interfere with the rest of the fruit in the life. might be a healthy branch, but it's something God says, no, I, we need to cut that out. Damaged branches hinder growth. That's where God works in healing memories and damaged emotions, and the Spirit of God works in a way that's powerful. There was a lady who was a young girl was told she was stupid all her life. She lived in the time when girls just cooked at the stove. And she wasn't allowed to go to school. She got one dress a year. In the midst of all of this, she developed an impediment in speech. Her brother broke her finger, just took it and broke it one time. She came to know the Lord, and she's an incredible lady. She became a nurse's aide. She ended up with her own house. She could make the best bread in the county, this lady. We were praying together, and it was this kind of discussion we were having. And she said, Pastor Ed, she says, I can't grow because I can't forgive my brother. And she related all kinds of things. It's not worth going over. I said, you've got to forgive me. And right at that moment, it was like that memory. And we were standing there, her brother and all the situation and the spirit of God just walked into her memory. And just the peace of God just filled that memory. And she was free. She still had the memory, but she was free. Sometimes there's a disease that's hurting growth and you need an inner healing. And it may be something that you had no control over, but you've got control how you react and what you do with that. Sometimes it's a cicada sting and you've got to prune those branches. That female comes in and lays these eggs, four, five, six holes. And that branch looks okay. But once it starts bearing fruit, that's a weak spot. And it'll break the branch. It'll try to grow fruit, but it'll break every time. You've got to find out where the cicadas have drilled and you've got to prune that branch because it's not going to last. See, there's all kinds of things of pruning that God wants to do in us. I love some examples in the book of Acts of, of uh, walking broken crayons, is what I call them. Let's pick on Peter again, Acts 8, Acts 15. Peter was a walking broken crayon. He realized that the Samaritans, a mixture of Jewish and intermarriage while in captivity, were part of the good news. Here's what happened, he's, he's having his uh, spiritual retreat on a housetop and he's in prayer and he has this vision. And this sheep comes down out of heaven and in it is shrimp and lobster, lobster and scallops and pork barbecue from Alabama. And the Spirit of God says, take and eat. He goes, no, it's not kosher. I've never eaten that stuff. It's happened three times. God says, don't call unclean what I call clean, Peter. There's someone at the door You're to go with him. And he's breaking all traditions because Gentile, this Cornelius, is inviting him to the house. And he's in a Gentile's house. And he has all these prejudices and built-in traditions and everything. But he's under the Spirit of the Lord, so he goes. And I, I try to picture myself in Peter's situation. I'm thinking, if I were Peter, I'd say, I'm just going to tell him about Jesus and I'm out of here before anyone sees me. So he starts talking about Jesus and what does God do? Don't you love it? He outpours his spirit upon Cornelius, just like Pentecost, just like Peter and the apostles. They speak in tongues, they the healings occur, all kinds of things happen, the same as Pentecost. (laughs) And Peter realizes God makes no distinction; the gospel is for everyone. And then some years later, the general council's meeting, and they've had all these. Because of Paul and the Gentile mission, all these Gentiles, and the big question comes up saying, well, how Jewish do we need to make sure these new converts stay to fulfill everything? And it, it was a big debate. Peter stood up and he said, remember Cornelius? He re- they received the Spirit just as we did At Pentecost, the Holy Spirit purifying their hearts by faith and empowering them. And so Peter sees that purification that happens, and and that impacted the council at that time. He was a walking, broken crayon. The fact that Christ died for the Gentiles, and he's directed to a Gentile, Impacted the church. 2 Corinthians 12, 7 to 10. Paul was a walking, broken crayon. He had this thorn in the flesh, and you've heard many times about the thorn in the flesh. Paul lists in chapter 11 all his hardships of ministry and all the ministry he's had shipwreck, jail, bitten with a poisonous stake, left for dead. On and on. And then you get this chapter 12, and he said, I prayed three times for this thorn of the flesh to leave me. And I think basically what he's saying is a little bit of, because later he talks about God taking care of his arrogance. He was saying, Lord, I know the apostle John gets thrown in jail once in a while, but he doesn't get shipwrecked. He doesn't get bit by a poisoned stake. He doesn't get thrown out of the city. He doesn't get beaten with 40 less one stripes. Can I have a ministry just like him? I love what Paul learns. Even because of the extraordinary character of the revelations, therefore so that I would not become arrogant... A thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to trouble me or to harass me. And he was harassed constantly, city to city, throughout his ministry. I'm sure he rebuked the devil. In Thessalonians, he said, the devil's kept me from coming to you. First First Thessalonians 1. Last uh, Sunday, I was preaching in Myanmar by Zoom. (laughs) And this was the text in Thessalonians. We we're talking about wanting to see them etc but so paul says that and so he says i asked the lord three times about this that it would depart from me but he said my grace is enough for you for my power is made perfect in weakness what that means translated means it comes into full strength it's there but it's not at full strength And I've given allowed Satan to harass you, your thorn in the flesh, as you like to call it. Call it whatever you want, Paul. But that has taken care of your arrogance, which has made you weak and dependent totally upon me and my resources and me. Paul goes, Oh. Then what he says. So then I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that the power of God may reside in me. Therefore, I am content with weakness, with insult, with troubles, persecutions and difficulties for the sake of Christ. For whenever I am weak, I am strong. (laughs) Paul learned to come to the end of himself. It took sifting. He's a pretty strong guy. I don't know where, he'd, I know where he'd be on a temperament test. He'd be a high D, high task. If you didn't get the task done, you're not going on this mission trip with us, John Mark. You stay back. I mean, that, that was Paul. But he, that was his apostleship and church planting and all these things. But in the midst of all that strength... God had to bring him to the end of himself. In the end of all his natural abilities, God had to bring him to the end of himself because he would not fulfill all that God had for him to do. He had to be a walking, broken crayon. I like Ephesians 2.10 because pruning isn't to hurt us. It's to help us, to strengthen us. Positive growth. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Divine ownership. I'm not a mistake. You're not a mistake. Every day God's working in you for which God prepared in advance for us to do. Peter, I've already allowing Satan to pick you apart, boy, but I've prayed for you. Jesus says, I own you and you're my workmanship and I have works that I prepared for you to do before the foundation of the world, in advance. God already has in advance a plan for you. He says, I own you. You're my workmanship. Now allow me to prune you. Allow me to change you. You're making some wrong choices. We can fix that. But let me heal you. Broken crayons will still color. And God's fashioning the church in the image of Christ to show his glory to the ends of the earth. That's what's happening. And we live in that day. We live in a day of revival, starting a third, I think, a third great awakening. I'm speaking at Ohio Christian University uh, tomorrow. Uh, A couple of classes have been combined. My professor, Ben Williamson's class, and they've been studying revivals in the 1970 Asbury Revival. And Ben has told me what kind of things are happening on campus. And I've heard it other places of how God's working. I've heard it overseas in places. There's a stirring. We're in the last days. And Jesus says, I pray that, he says, in the last days, the love of most will grow cold. That's obedience. There'll be this partial obedience, a compromising obedience. I've gotten, this is free, not in my notes. Uh, i've gotten away from using the word christian because it can mean so many things i prefer a follower of christ someone says are you a christian i'm a follower of christ because that means all the difference because people say they're christian but they're not in church they don't serve the lord you know it's just uh, um, it's just lost all of its meaning from first century but follower of christ it has not I like what uh, Tony Evans says when I ask, well, can't you stay at home and uh, be a Christian? And he says, well, he says, are you married? I said, yeah, well, I'm married too. What if I decided to never go home? Would that be all right? See, you need one another. We're coming out of COVID. We've got to come together. We've got to hear what the Spirit's saying in these last days. To the church and be all that god wants us to be peter and paul were broken crayons broken to produce a greater harvest paul's missionary journey uh, ministry began in his mid-30s and he died in his mid-60s apostle peter was born about 1 a.d began his ministry in his mid-30s and lived into his 60s god loves the old folks he uses them it's a place, it Doesn't matter your age, God has a plan for your life. And you can't get away from his love. Let me go back to Maria. I happen to remember, uh, Pastor David Friend was with us. Uh, we, we took some with us, Loretta and I. Uh, we went back to Teen Challenge to visit. They were having a rally, and we were the rally was in lower Manhattan. And so Faith and, and Loretta and the, the Wilkerson's and I, we're all there. And we get out and step on the sidewalk and this lady starts screaming top of her lungs. And she's, she's from here to the door, dressed all in white, I mean, dressed out. And she's crying, Loretta, Loretta, Loretta. And they come and she runs and grabs Loretta Loretta realizes it's, it's Maria. It's Maria that we thought was dead. It's Maria who God has changed. And we heard the story of how this broken crayon was coloring all kinds of things at the college and in the church and become quite a leader. Now God had gotten a hold of her. You can't get away from God's love. What stood out to me And it's imprinted me all these years. We were in the pew here. Maria was over there. We were singing. As the worship started, I looked over at her, and there was tears starting to go down her cheek. And when we got to our God, Rain, she lifted both hands and tears just running down her face. I thought, yes, Lord, you rain. You'll take a a broken life, put it together, and, and broken lives still color. In you there's nothing that can happen to me that, that that will keep me from being productive in the kingdom and so today I want you to learn that some of these principles now we uh, we have crayons here along the top of the altar a little ziploc bag but a couple things I want to, Talk to you about the crayon, even online if you want to go get a crayon. You may be one that you came and God just put your life together and it's like you're a fresh new crayon. God does that. I mean, don't limit Him. And today, you'd just like to take one of these crayons and just thank the Lord. Maybe you're one who says, Lord, I just want to walk as a broken crayon because I want you to have pruning in my life and you come up here and you just break that you pray and put it in your little ziplock and reminder say Lord I'm a walking broken crayon working my life today now that's really where you want to be so you may come and just want to keep that crayon whole because it's so real to you who you are in Christ, new, no, that's great. Or you may be one today says, Lord, I, I want a fresh infilling of your spirit. I wanna be one that walks with you like the apostles and, and people that I hear of today. You know what? the secret is? They learn how God prunes They learn the process. They surrender everything. That's why we talk about surrendering all to him, being filled with the infilling of the Spirit, allowing the Spirit of God to take all of you, put to death anything that's not of him, and to fill you, and then you begin to grow from then on. And then he keeps pruning you. I mean, if he pruned us all at once, we couldn't handle it. Even when we come to know Christ. There's so much in there that needs sifting around and Cleaning up and to make it better. And he does that. But today, I want to pray for you. I want you to pray for fresh infilling of the Spirit. I want you to say, Yeah, I, I surrender all to him. I'm one of these walking crayons and I give him thanks. And just take a crayon and break it, just as a symbol. These are just symbolic. What we're talking about is the Holy Spirit, right? He's the one that's working with you. I'm going to pray with you now. Then we'll stand and sing, and you'll have opportunity to come. Just take a crayon and keep it whole. Pick a color you like. And, uh, and in prayer, say, Lord, I surrender all, and I, I want to be that broken crayon. I want for you to prune. And you just break it and put it in the bag. Pray. Stand and pray. There'll be pastor, one of our pastors over here, Steve, to pray for anyone that wants special prayer. But this should be a season of just coming together to the Lord, saying, Lord, work in our lives and what you want us to do. Let's pray. Gracious Father and God, we love you, sovereign Lord. We love the stories of, of how you've taken people's lives and changed them. Even the most broken, Lord, and they still color beautiful tapestry for you. Lord, forgive us of our arrogance, our complacency, our sluggishness save us from just being ordinary remove from us anything that hinders our walk with you fill us afresh, fresh Holy Spirit with your holy presence usher in Lord empowerment release Lord all that you want to do in us as we come and I pray as people come during the worship here that that uh, you'd speak to them, and we'll praise you in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand together. As we sing, you're welcome to just come and take a